This is the Proactive IT Podcast. This week, the latest in IT and cybersecurity news, another large HIPAA settlement, and COPRA. This is Episode 6. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Proactive IT Podcast. Each week, we talk about the latest in tech and cyber news, compliance, and more. We also bring you the real-world examples to learn from so that you can better protect your business and identity. This podcast is brought to you by Nuage Tech, a client-focused and security-minded IT consultant located in Central Connecticut. You can find us at nuagetech.com. That's N-W-A-J-Tech.com. All right, so let's get into it. This is the last episode for the month of November 2019. So that means there's not much to discuss as far as Patch Tuesday. Patch Tuesday was done on November 12th, and we've addressed the patches that were included ad nauseum, so I'm not going to discuss it any further here. First up on cybersecurity news, as we reported earlier this week on the Cybersecurity Daily, HP has identified that uh, multiple... SSDs that they uh, that they've placed in servers and in storage devices are failing at exactly thirty two thousand seven hundred and sixty eight hours. Um, so if you have these solid state drives, and I'll include a list on the show notes, then you're going to want to address it. They have released firmware updates for some of them, and expect to release the rest of the firmware updates in December. So essentially, that boils down to if you've had that device on for three years, 270 days, and eight hours, the device will fail, and you will not be able to recover any of the data on there. So if you're using certain RAID um, RAID setups, then you could potentially, it could be catastrophic loss for you. Uh, so again, if you use HPE solid-state drives in some servers and storage devices, and I will include that list on on the show notes, you're going to want to update the firmware. Some of the firmware is already available, and others will be released week of 12.9, it looks like. So you're going to want to adjust that ASAP. Um, Next up, SDK is also reported earlier this this week. SDK's, this is on threat post, SDK's misused to scrape Twitter and Facebook account info. So there were a couple of uh, SDK vendors who won for Twitter and one for Facebook. So Twitter discovered first that um, an SDK by, uh, I can't find the name of the group now, but they scrape profile information such as email addresses, usernames, gender, last tweets, and so on. Uh, apparently, oh, it's one audience. Apparently, though, one audience might not have been aware that they were doing this, so it may not be malicious in in uh, nature. But this, uh, right after Twitter discovered this, Facebook then discovered that they also have an SDK maker scraping similar data, um, and Facebook is really just just taking a beating when it comes to data. But um, the the SDK maker in this case for Facebook is Moby Burn, and Facebook does believe that they were being malicious in nature. Um, 
So <coughs> if you're, if you, and it doesn't list the applications that were created by these manufacturers, by these um, SDK makers, but if you're using uh, any applications by one audience or MobiBurn, it may be scraping data. MobiBurn has shut down, has been shut down from any activity on Facebook until the investigation is completed. And um, they did post a statement saying that they do not collect, share, or monetize data from Facebook. So at least, at least it looks like maybe they're not intentionally doing it either. So as again, SDKs from MobiBurn and one audience on Facebook and Twitter respectively collecting data, scraping data from those two vendors. And I reported in another episode that there was a database left open on the internet on AWS, not AWS's fault to be clear, but on AWS that was exposing a lot of PII, uh, personally identifiable information. Uh, no, no idea who collected that information, where it came from. I would imagine Amazon can disclose if they were uh, somehow forced to at least disclose some kind of information, but um, as at this point, nobody knows where it came from, but it was, uh, I believe, 1.2 billion user information. Um, so more data being pushed out there, and so that's going to, we're going to talk about that when we get to our uh, topics today. I only have two topics today, so this should be a short episode. Uh, reported on today's Cybersecurity Daily, and I'm going to report it again here, over 12,000 Google users hit by government hackers in third quarter of 2019. So Google has been uh, actively monitoring accounts to see if they are being hacked by governments. They've been doing this since 2012, so this is an ongoing, um, ongoing thing for Google and uh, their group, Threat Analysis Group. So they claim that more than 90% of targeted users were hit with a credential phishing email that tried to trick victims into handing over access to their Google account. Now, this isn't just hackers. This isn't some some kid in a basement. This isn't anonymous or any other hacker groups that are out there. This is government hackers. This is um, this is governments around the world, including the U.S., trying to compromise accounts. Uh, so Google has warned those users, 12,000 users, in the third quarter of 2019 alone. So if you've received that warning, you're going to want to address that. Make sure you're paying attention to phishing attacks. Make sure you change your passwords, set up multi-factor authentication. You can do that on Google, so get that set up. Um, and that was on the Hacker News, by the way. And finally, last bit of cyber news for today. The CISA, Black Friday Shopping, Protect Your Identity. So I've been talking about uh, holiday shopping and holiday hacking and scams since the beginning of the month. November 1st is the first time I talked about it. And maybe that should be the focus for November. Maybe there should be a campaign for that. Uh, but the CISA has alerted everybody to Black Friday shopping scams. Now, this is more online stuff, so this should apply to Cyber Monday as well. And any shopping you do between now and, and the end of the holidays. So some tips from them. Take advantage of security features, passwords, and other security features, add layers of protection if used appropriately. So we're talking complex passwords, multi-factor authentication. Check privacy policies. Take precautions when providing information. Make sure to check published privacy policies to see how a company will use or distribute your information. So that's, uh, you know, again, it's going to get addressed, hopefully, with uh, legislation. 
but that so that's another thing people do not read the pri- privacy policies one of the reasons is they're extremely long and nobody wants to read all that and it's legal jargon not everybody can understand that so read it to the best of your ability i would just not provide information that's not absolutely necessary to your purchase Check statements, check your statements, keep a record of your purchases and copies of confirmation pages and compare them to your bank statements. If there is a discrepancy, report it immediately. And be careful what information you publicize. Attackers may be able to piece together information from a a variety of sources. Avoid posting personal data in public forums. So a big one that's been, that's resurfaced lately is location sharing on social media. partly because of you know black holiday shopping scams and so forth but also partly because of human trafficking and that's you know that's really come to light as of late as well so be careful what information you're sharing now i'll add to this if you're actually out and about in the stores today on black friday you you will need to a couple of things be careful what you talk about it's really i cannot tell you how many times i've overheard conversations with sensitive information while in the st- in a store so you need to be careful what you're talking about and who's around when you're talking about it and you need to watch your your especially women your bags your wallets your your smartphones your keys all of that needs to be watched you people i see it all the time you know bags are left left in a carriage and it only takes a second for somebody to walk by and grab your wallet, grab your phone, grab your keys, grab whatever they can grab quickly without you noticing. You're distracted for a moment. It it only takes a second. I've seen I've seen it happen. So be safe out there today and every day while you're shopping. Um and while you're out and about in general. Okay, f- two topics for today. The first one is uh, another HIPAA settlement we're going to talk about. And the second one is a data privacy bill for the U.S. That will be, you know, if, if it stays to what it is, it will be similar to um, to GDPR in Europe. All right, so the HIPAA violation. So the, this is on um, HIPAA Journal. The Department of Health and Human Services, OCR, has announced its eighth HIPAA financial penalty of 2019. Centara Hospitals has agreed to settle potential violations of the HIPAA privacy and breach notification rules and will pay a penalty of $2.175 million and will adopt a corrective action plan to address areas of non-compliance. So I will uh, review the whole thing and, and create a blog, and we'll probably talk about it in more detail next week. But Centara operates 12 acute care hospitals in Virginia and North Carolina and has more than 300 care facilities in both states. OCR launched a compliance investigation in response to a complaint from a patient on April 17, 2017. The patient had reported receiving a bill from Centara containing another patient's protected health information. So, big no-no. Centara did report the breach to OCR, but the breach report stated that only eight individuals had been affected when the mailing had been misdirected and 577 individuals had had some of their PHI impermissibly disclosed. OCR determined that those 577 patients had their information merged with 16,342 different guarantors' mailing labels. OCR advised Centara that under the HIPAA breach notification rule 45 CFR 164408, 
notifications were required and that the breach total needed to be updated, but Centaurus persisted in its refusal to update the breach report and issue notifications. Centaurus maintained that since the bills only contain names, account numbers, and dates of service and not diagnosis, treatment information, and other medical information, it did not constitute a reportable breach. So an interesting pushback. OCR also found that Centaur Hospitals provides services for its member-covered entities but did not enter into business associate agreements with business with its business associates until October 17, 2018, so a year and a half later. Centaur Hospitals' parent organization and business associate Centaur Healthcare had been allowed to recreate, receive, maintain, and transmit PHI on its behalf without a BAA being in place. So now every record is violated. Centaur Hospitals had therefore not received satisfactory assurance that PHI would be safeguarded in violation of 45 CFR 164504EX2. The corrective action plan requires Centaur Hospitals to revise its policies and procedures and ensure they are compliant with HIPAA rules, policies, and procedures must be checked and revised at least annually or more frequently if appropriate. So it becomes appropriate, this is me speaking now, it, it becomes appropriate when there is an issue. You need to fix it, test it, fix it, test it until it's fixed. Um, OCR will be scrutinizing Centaur's compliance efforts for a period of two years from the start date of the corrective action plan. So now they are under... OCR's thumb for two years. HIPAA compliance depends on accurate and timely self-reporting of breaches because patients and the public have a right to know when sensitive information has been exposed, said OCR Director Roger Severino. When healthcare providers blatantly fail to report breaches as required by law, they should expect vigorous enforcement action by the OCR. The latest settlement is another example of when HIPAA violations are uncovered in response to complaints from patients rather than data breach investigations. All it takes is for one patient to submit a complaint about a potential HIPAA violation for a compliance review to be launched. So uh, healthcare providers, one complaint from one patient, and you're going to have the OCR in your office looking through all of your HIPAA, um, HIPAA compliance methods, your HIPAA compliance program, whether or not you're doing your security risk assessment, um, and if you're not doing what you need to be doing, as as is the case here, they did not have a BAA, simple document that says that um, Centera Hospitals and Centera Healthcare, I, I know it sounds like it makes sense, but, but they need a, you know, it sounds like it's the same company, it probably is, but just different different uh, branches. They, they still need a BAA in place. And if that BAA is not in place, if you have one vendor that has access to your records, and there's no BAA. You just you just got a HIPAA violation for every possible patient file that that was compromised. So something to think about. So far in 2019, HIPAA covered entities and business associates have paid 12 million over 12 million dollars to the OCR. Now, business associates. So as an example, my business is a business associate to any healthcare provider we do work for if we don't if we don't follow HIPAA best practices we could potentially be fined and that is happening now so another something else to think about if you if you are let's say you're HVAC for for uh, a, a healthcare provider and you 
during your work somehow gain access. Maybe you're installing far, uh, smart thermostats and you gain access to Wi-Fi network that for some reason, and, and this has happened, and that's why I bring it up, that for some reason is the same network that the administration and doctors use for for uh, patient records you and you don't have a BA and you have a BAA in place and you don't take the proper precautions you could be held uh, by the OCR for for uh, HIPAA violations so something to think about that's a that's a lot to take in I know um, it's HIPAA so and and so there is there are efforts out there to make it a little simpler to understand HIPAA um, but in all in reality especially smaller healthcare providers, you don't really have the resources to have full-time HIPAA compliance officer, then you should have, you know, a company like mine come in and, and provide those services. Um, and then our last bit of, uh, of uh, topic today. So uh, this article's on ThreatPost. It's really everywhere. You can just Google it and you'll find a ton of stuff on it. But federal data privacy bill takes aim at tech giants. Now, I don't really, at the end of the day, it's not going to be just tech giants. It's going to be everybody. But the COPRA legislation would provide GDPR-like data protections and create a new FTC Enforcement Bureau. The, a new digital privacy bill has been introduced to the Senate, which would give the Federal Trade Commission more teeth when it comes to providing oversight on tech companies' use of consumer data. Senator Maria Cantwell of Washington, ranking member on the Senate Commerce committee led the democratic charge on the bill dubbed the consumer online privacy rights act so that's copra it would provide u.s citizens the same kinds of privacy rights that eu citizens citizens have under the general data protection regulation so that you know so that doesn't apply to just tech giants yes i believe google did have to pay a fine because they were not compliant and uh maybe some other larger tech firms in europe but it's every, if you go to, I mean, even some websites here in the U.S. will have a GDPR um, notification to let you know that they are compliant or that they should be compliant and what data they are collecting and so forth. Specifically, the bill would give data subjects the right to request which data companies are housing and ask for that data to be deleted or corrected. It would also require explicit con consent for companies to collect and share sensitive data. So that's the notification when you go to that website. Um, lastly, it would stipulate that companies must not collect more information than they reasonably need to carry out their specific services consumers have signed up for. So let's say Google, for example, they don't need to know your social security number. I know that's a little extreme, but they don't need that information to do their job. Location of your, your device, um, might be enough if you're logged into Google, then they're collecting more information than just your location. They know who you are. They know what your preferences are and so forth. Further, CEO, further CEOs of major data collecting companies would have to manually certify to the FTC that they have adequate internal controls and reporting structures to comply with the law. In a growing online world, consumers deserve two things, privacy rights and a strong law to enforce them, Cantwell said in a statement. They should be like your Miranda rights, clear as a bell as to what they are and what constitutes a violation. Also, the bill provides for a new FTC bureau to be established to enforce these digital privacy rights and steeper fines. The commission recently leveled, levied privacy settlements on Facebook, $5 billion, and Google's YouTube, $170 million. And in both cases, Facebook and Google, 
five billion and 170 million those are drops in the bucket so you know i don't know if that that really detracts them from doing what they're doing we've seen more stuff come out of facebook so we'll see which detractor said we're too low as i was just saying too low to promote better behavior copra dictates that the enforcement bureau be fully staffed and operational within two years of the act becoming law copra also opens the door for private citizen lawsuits against tech companies over data collection. Republican pushback on the legislation provision is expected to be on the docket at a December hearing. The legislation released today reflects where the Democrats want to go. And said Senator Roger Wicker of Mississippi, Republican of Mississippi, the chairman of the Commerce Committee in a statement. But any privacy bill will need bipartisan support to become law. I am committed to continuing to work with the ranking member of and my colleagues, colleagues on both sides of the aisle to get a bill that can get across the finish line. I expect that we will have a bill to discuss at next week's hearing. So this was reported. Um, when was this reported? I believe Thursday, uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Um, where are we? Cantwell's bill was also sponsored by Senators Ed Markley of the Democrat of Massachusetts, Amy Klobuchar, the Democrat of Minnesota, and Brian Schwartz, Democrat of Hawaii. Companies continue to profit off of the personal data they collect from Americans, but they leave consumers completely in the dark about how their personal information is being used. Consumers have a right to know if their personal data is being sold and to easily see what data has already been distributed, said Klobuchar in a statement. This is not the only federal privacy bill circulating in Senate. In October, Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, introduced the Mind Your Own Business Act um, proposed by on Thursday. Gives the Federal Trade Commission the ability to slap fines of up to 4% of a company's global turnover on companies that violate privacy statutes. The same provision used by the GDPR. In addition, senior executives who knowingly lied to the FTC could face up to 10 to 20 year criminal penalties under the act. So that's interesting. The passing of federal legislation as opposed to state level bills like the California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, which I've talked about a couple of times, set to go into effect in January is important for US consumers, according to Robert Cruz, a senior director of information governance at Smarsh. So I did sit in and I, and I uh, uh, lunch and learn on the CCPA and I'm you know 3,000 miles away from California so it doesn't really apply to me but it was interesting uh, it, it is there are some similarities to GDPR but it is a lot more convoluted um, the thing with California is a lot of those tech giants have offices in California so it's going to be interesting to see what comes of that Copra looks like a good step to provide a common privacy floor that could eliminate some of the major differences between states he said via email. In particular, the consent provisions for sharing data, the need to state the specific business purposes that data is collected for, and the annual inspection of data protection controls are all areas where we see firms looking for a common set of rules to reconcile the various state and jurisdictions. What is also useful in this proposal is allowing states to enforce their own laws, which will allow individual states to pursue the more aggressive measures against companies whose business models are dependent on ad-driven revenue based upon how prevalent those firms are in those specific states. Steve Durbin, 
Managing Director of the Information Security Forum, concurred. In much the same way as GDPR began a far-reaching debate over the rights of the individual, so too is this piece of legislation continuing a similar conversation across America, he said via email. What is clear is that privacy is becoming more of an issue in the United States, and there is a very real need for federal law to avoid states introducing their own variations and interpretations on privacy, which adds a further compliance burden to already overstretched businesses looking to understand and comply with their obligations across various regions in which they are transacting business. So it's going to be interesting from a different, a few different standpoints. One is state uh, businesses that operate in multiple states will, you know, if, you know, one state is going to California CCPA is going to, they're going to have to honor those rules and laws. And then if they're in another state, let's say Arizona, they're going to have different rules and laws potentially. Um, and this also kind of pre-HIPAA, you know, before HIPAA launched, which is, you know, it's, what has it been, 10 years, more than 10 years now. Um, similar to HIPAA, you know, there's going to be a, a, a level of compliance that a lot of smaller businesses are going to have a hard time with, and you're going to need to outsource those resources to get that done correctly. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens over time with this COPRA or any other bill that they decide to bring on. Um Stay tuned, I guess, for that. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but t- but tomorrow is Computer Security Day, National Computer Security Day. So, you know, make sure you have active malware updated, scanning your computer, make sure your data is protected, all of that good stuff. Um, you should be doing that all the time anyway, but it's just, it just serves as a reminder, just kind of like National Backup Day serves as a reminder to make sure you're protecting yourself and your data on the ever-connecting world. That's going to do it for this episode. I told you it would be a short episode. This is the Black Friday episode. Uh, I don't do Black Friday, so I will not be out and about. But if you're out and about, stay safe, stay alert, be diligent, and until next week, stay secure. (laughs) 